Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. Ready for the word? The psalmist David said, search my heart, O God. That's always stood out to me for some reason. And it kind of made sense this past couple weeks in uh, preparing for this sermon is that whenever the pastor comes and whoever the pastor is, that w- whether you watch online or church or you attend Springs or whoever's preaching, it's the pastor's role and job to come ready to preach the word, to, to prophesy the word in a sense, to to call it, throw out the word onto, into the air, the atmosphere, call it the soil. And that's important to be Holy Spirit led. I believe that when I preach and things that I'm finding in God's word that he's ministering to me about, I believe that is Holy Spirit leading me into a direction and what I need to choose. Because I could choose from a million topics if I wanted to give a lecture, but a sermon is when Holy Spirit's behind it. But did you know it is just as important, equally important, maybe even more important that the saints, the church, the congregation, you come ready and willing and expecting to receive, expecting that Holy Spirit is gonna plant the word on your heart and is going to be able to reap a harvest because if you're just relying on David coming to throw the right word of what you need at the right time, I'm gonna miss 99 out of 100 times. But when Holy Spirit gets involved and you come ready and expecting, like the psalmist said, search my heart, O God, meaning I lay down my preconceived ideas, I lay down my prejudices, I lay down my pride of maybe what I think is best in my life. And God, I'm gonna let you plant in my heart what you need to plant in my heart. And I believe that that is just as important. So all that long-winded thing to say, you guys ready for the word this morning? Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. God, we glorify you in this place. We acknowledge you as as our Lord and our Savior, and we just thank you for your love and your peace and all that comes with a relationship with you, God. God, we, we simply glorify you and praise you because you are good, because you are holy, and because you are worthy of all of our praise and nothing less, God. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place as this word goes out. Father, we thank you. You'll make it personal to each one of us, as you always do. Thank you. Bring back to remembrance and lead us into all truth. And Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you as well for this, this beautiful country of Canada that we live in. We thank you, God, that it is a glorious and a free country. And we thank you in Jesus' name that you are going to continue to lead and guide and bring wisdom and truth to our leaders at all different le- levels, Father. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that they will be open to your leading and your guiding. And if there are people who, who do not want to lead us in the direction that we go, people who are against what you have for this country, Father, we thank you, Father. They'll be out of office and you're going to rise up, raise up leaders that are gonna be after you, after the right things, the Judeo-Christian principles this country is built upon to empower its citizens and bring Canada to where it goes. We speak that in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree, would you say an amen and an amen and amen. We're gonna talk today about Jesus and Holy Spirit. That's the title of the sermon, Jesus and Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are quite intertwined. Did you know that? Incredibly intertwined, actually. And if you look at 
how uh, Jesus's life went. Remember, when Jesus came to earth, Jesus was this, this intermediary period, as I've been saying lately, between Old Covenant, so not just Old Testament, but Old Covenant, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Jesus was there during the, the Gospels, and Jesus was this transitionary period between law, which everyone was used to law, just trying to do what you need to do to be able to connect and access God. Jesus came, which made way for the way of the, the period of the church, the grace period, what Jesus did for us secured our relationship. And I'll even say, which could, would, I would say the most important period is the age and period of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now, oftentimes, maybe Holy Spirit isn't talked about if you've been outside of Spring Church for a while. Maybe you don't hear a lot about it. I'm so thankful that our pastor, our founding pastor, Leon, Pastor Leon, talked about Holy Spirit all the time and how he's there to empower us, to the inner man, the inner woman is to be awakened. And Holy Spirit is that helper that comes alongside of us. And and I want to just do, the last couple of sermons I've been doing has been all around Holy Spirit. So today we're going to tackle, and I want to tackle a verse that jumped out at me about Jesus. So Jesus was talking and communicating about Holy Spirit. So we're going to be basing our scripture today in John chapter 14. How many people brought their Bibles? Raise them nice and high. Nice and brought their Bibles. I brought my digital Bible, so no shame on the digital Bibles today. It's so hypocritical of me. <laughs> I brought my digital one today. We're gonna read in John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, turn there. This, to give you context of what Jesus is doing here, this is Jesus, the end of his ministry, coming to the end of his life. This is the final night in the upper room that Jesus has with his his closest confidants, his, his loved ones, his disciples, the guys that he has been living life with for three and a half years. So he understands, Jesus knows this is his final chance to impart to them verbally what he thinks is important, what he thinks they need to focus on, and to put yourself in Jesus's shoes. Pretend that you knew tonight was the last night you could spend with your loved ones, like the last night, because Jesus is about to go be betrayed, be crucified, that whole process. He is separated from those that he loves. So if you had one night with your loved ones, maybe it's your kids, your families, maybe your closest group of friends, what would you communicate to them? It's a heavy question. There's a lot of things that you could talk to them about, right? Would it be about, hey, what kind of, what area of the city would you live in? Or, or what's a great country? Or, or how to be a great husband? How to be a great mother? What would you choose with limited time? Well, Jesus was in this position about his final, he's three and a half years, he's been imparting, he's been teaching, he's been helping, he's been coming alongside the disciples and leading them and showing them how to work and work the miraculous to be and bring the kingdom of God in. But Jesus, on his last night, Jesus goes and he emphasizes and he teaches and he talks about the majority of the time about Holy Spirit, relationship with Holy Spirit, how Holy Spirit leads and how Holy Spirit empowers. So Jesus could have talked about how to build church, but he didn't. He could have talked about how to build family, but he didn't. Could have talked about how to be a great friend. He could have been how to be courageous in the face of trials and storms that are coming your way, but he didn't. Jesus emphasized Holy Spirit. He talked about Holy Spirit. 
he told them and showed them who Holy Spirit was. So the reason why I'm hitting this so hard and in depth is because I feel there's a lack of emphasis on Holy Spirit in our life as a sweeping statement. Obviously, Springs Calgary is not subject to that statement, okay? Just like I called you guys out one time, Winnipeg, it's guaranteed it's Springs, Winnipeg, just so you know. Just joking for everyone, just in case you don't know me. But there's an emphasis on Holy Spirit that when we are not living our lives with Holy Spirit, in conjunction with Holy Spirit, in relationship with Holy Spirit, is that you are leaving Holy Spirit on the sideline and you're pretty much leaving this last hurrah that Jesus has, you're pretty much not taking him seriously in what he says. So it's a pretty serious thing because I believe the difference in what makes Christians effective in this world is Holy Spirit's leading and guiding the authority and the power that you can have with Holy Spirit, not on your own strength. So let's drop our pride, our egos. It's with Holy Spirit. If you wanna be who Jesus, listen to this, if you wanna be who Jesus saved you to be, you need Holy Spirit. You're never gonna do it on your own strength. Now you might have this preconceived idea about who I wanna be, who I need to be. People achieve those things all the time on their own strength. But if you wanna be who Jesus saved you to be, you need Holy Spirit. So I wanna emphasize, we're gonna to turn to John chapter 14. I wanna read, I'm gonna skip through certain verses and highlight some others, but we're gonna start in John 14 verse one upper room, Jesus is hanging out. He is saying, hey, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but believe also in me. In my father's house, there is many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So disciples know that he is leaving. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you myself. That where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and that you will know. Then Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. Then Jesus says one of his I am statements, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. So Jesus is showing and intuiting there that if you know me, then you automatically know God the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this God that we have seen and heard about and they know the Old Testament, they know all of that, is that he is saying, if you know me, you know that God, for we have been the same. So he is alluding to this connection there. And then I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit to verse 12, where he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, you will do also. So Peter, you will do the works that I do if you believe in me. And greater works you will do. Notice why he says next. You will do greater works because I go to my father. He's got a hinting at some sort of event or exchange that is going to happen. Jesus doesn't say you will do greater because I'm gonna continue spending time with you and leading you. He's actually saying you'll do greater things because I'm leaving. A little bit of an upside down statement. Hey, it doesn't make sense in terms of what we naturally think and the emphasis that we put on Jesus. And I'm not saying we take emphasis away from Jesus at all. I'm trying to focus and show Jesus was leading the way for the age of Holy Spirit, which we are still in. And greater works you will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name in verse 13 that I will do, 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do that. Now, a while ago, I made the conversation in the, in the sermon about we either have to believe the Bible in its entirety or we don't believe it at all, right? You can't pick and choose parts you want to believe and parts you don't want to believe. So if we believe what the Bible says, then we have to take statements like Jesus is just saying, take him at his word, just like we, that first song we sang. Jesus says, you can do greater things than me because I go to my father. So it's either we believe that or we don't believe that. And if we're lacking or we're missing in the area of not believing it, then we got to do the work to get to the point of where we believe it. Because Jesus said it. And if I'm not encompassing that or seeing that as a reality, I'm leaving something on the table there. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Then he says in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I want to focus on this verse for the remainder of the time. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Translations are, most of them are comforter. But notice how he says another. He goes and says, I will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now he's not talking about the world in terms of this general population of people. The world represents people who reject Jesus, who does not acknowledge the lordship and the supremacy of who Jesus is. So back to 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor it knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I love that he says that. Don't worry, guys. I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you hanging. I will come to you. Skip ahead here to verse 25 to close off. These things I've spoken to you while I am present with you, but the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Now turn your neighbor and say all things. He doesn't say some things. He says all things. Now, all things doesn't mean just spiritual things. It means what? All things. So how to be a great father, how to run a business, how to be a great friend, how to have courage during trials, what to say in time of need when your natural mind fails you, spiritual things, how to have the gift of prophecy and, and tongues and, and wisdom and knowledge, which we touched on a number of weeks ago. The Holy Spirit is there to lead you in all things. Remember, these are Jesus's last words. Jesus is taking time to emphasize all of these things. The last things he can say to his disciples isn't specific instructions in terms of how to do life and get through things. He is telling them how to live with Holy Spirit and what Holy Spirit can do. My name, in, in, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all the things that I have said to you. Praise God on that. Then Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because you have heard me say, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, here's another upside down statement. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Disciples might think that's a weird statement, rejoicing because you are leaving Jesus. 
But again, Jesus is talking about it is better for him to go and that Holy Spirit can come. So you hear Jesus talking all about Holy Spirit and his final dictation, his final time with, with his friends. And Jesus, so much so, is emphasizing Holy Spirit that he actually tells his disciples emphatically in Acts chapter two, do not do anything else when I go until Holy Spirit arrives. So do you guys agree with me is that there's, there's an emphasis on Holy Spirit? You look at Acts and the work of the Holy Spirit, I believe is that because Christians who are leading weak and powerless lives is because they haven't learned how to operate and walk with Holy Spirit. Is that when you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ comes inside of you and dwells with you and empowers you. You have that Spirit accessible. But the Holy Spirit doesn't consume you and take over your will and make you zombified and does the work for you. He comes alongside of you to help you. So I wanna dive into that in just a moment. But the connection between Jesus and Holy Spirit is important to grasp and important to understand. I, I truly think, when I think of Holy Spirit, I remember when I was training, probably 15 years old or whatever, playing hockey and you're doing like summer training and off uh, dry land training and all this thing. We had this thing called the lightning bungee cord. And what it was is you have two guys that'd be connected to essentially a bungee cord that would be like 20 yards long. 15 yards long type of thing. And then the one guy would have to plant and get back here and he'd have to plant like this. And the other guy just in front of them would have the bungee cord wrapped around his waist behind him. And the other guy would have to run as fast as he possibly could. So he'd start running and he's running on his own strength, his own speed. But eventually as he gets towards and the bungee starts getting taut is that now he's no longer running fast, but he's having to power his way through literally like this. You feel like this, trying to get the bungee cord as taut as you possibly could. And then the role would reverse. This guy, once he couldn't go anymore and he's tired and his muscles are swelling and he can't move anymore, he would turn around and he'd have to go into a squat like this and just brace himself. And the other guy who's sitting over here, he's ready to be launched. His job was to run as fast as he could, but he had the assist of the bungee cord ripping him faster than his legs could actually go. And I remember the first time trying this, I'm sitting there, you're scared out of your mind because you see how tight this thing is. And I remember the moment that you let go, like you release yourself and take a step, you're getting pulled three steps worth when you don't even have half of your step out. And the first time I remember trying it is I went to get my foot up and I was already down flat on my face being dragged by the bungee because this thing is, is pulling you so fast. So after a couple of attempts of getting used to it, the purpose in hockey was power on one side and leg quickness on the other. So after a couple of tries and you get used to it, I remember just when you actually stay up and you're not really concentrating on proper running, you're really concentrating on keeping your, just your foot up in front of you, just kind of feel and go. But the speed that you had, to be ripped right through to where the other guy was going was unbelievable. And I really view that picture, picture of a Christian's life without Holy Spirit, just trying to move on your own strength and the weight of the world pushes you down. Things happen to where you feel discouraged, where you feel I've come to the end of my strength, I've come to the end of my own wit, my own knowledge. But then the other guy who is cruising with Holy Spirit, not even putting effort into it, and he is being ripped through life and things just seem to be happening from him. Why? Because life with Holy Spirit is supernatural. 
There's a reason why Jesus came and emphasized life with Holy Spirit. Because I love how he ends in John chapter 14. He essentially says, the enemy of this world is coming. In David's paraphrased version, but don't worry, he's got nothing on me. And Jesus is emphasizing this relationship with Holy Spirit. If you're experiencing setback in your life, if you're experiencing hard, troubled times. Now, this is, I'm not a preacher that just says everything is, is miraculous and perfect. And if you're a Christian, you get what you want. Like, I kind of hate that doctrine, that selfish Christianity, to be honest, I'm in this because I want. Like, I, that, that's not what Christianity is. But when Jesus was there, because there is a mission and there is a mark that we all have to reach people with the gospel, the transforming power of who Jesus was and the way that life and the situations we have to navigate while doing that, we're raising family. We're called to raise, to be fruitful and multiply, to raise families. We're called to build businesses, to reach people. We're called to help the sick and the poor. All of these things we're called. Plus, we live in a fallen world where situations are gonna be thrown at you all the time. Jesus is emphasizing Holy Spirit. So you can do all of this stuff and bring glory to God in every single thing that you do so people can see life with Jesus. But people who don't walk in that, I believe is because you, you're a Christian and you claim to know Jesus is because you haven't learned how to walk with Holy Spirit. It's really maybe uh, to be really introspective, ask yourself that question is that, do I walk with Holy Spirit? Do I lean on Holy Spirit? So my intro is, is way overextended, but we're just, I wanna lay out the importance of what Holy Spirit can be in your life, whether you're in high school, whether you're entering into university, whether you're going through a horrible season, whether you've come out of a horrible season, now you're thinking about how can I grow? Holy Spirit is there to lead you and to guide you more than you could ever imagine on your own strength. You think you're pretty good on your own strength? It's nothing compared to what life can be like with Holy Spirit, just so you know. And Jesus, when you look at who Jesus was, Jesus gave up his authority as God. It was God incarnate, which means Jesus put skin and bone and flesh on and he came to this earth. He was confined. It's a crazy thought, God being confined by this. That was Jesus. But Jesus did what he did to show us as an example that because he felt and went through all the exact same things we do, he was able to do what he did because of Holy Spirit, not because he was all powerful God. I just want to make that clear because I know a lot of times people can be discouraged by saying, Yeah, but Jesus was God. I'm, I'm not even close to God. And look what he did. No, Jesus tells us that we can do greater. Jesus' birth was prophesied by Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was empowered by Holy Spirit. Jesus healed people with the power of Holy Spirit. Jesus cast out demonic spirits with the power of Holy Spirit. Jesus administered healing by the power of Holy Spirit. The Bible even tells us, if you wanna do a deep kind of weird dive in Hebrews, the Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified with and through Holy Spirit. The Bible even tells us in Romans 8 that he was raised from the dead. The body, this broken human fleshly body that was broken and cut open and bleeding and heart was stopped and stabbed and crucified and suffocated, that body that had no right to live was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
when Jesus ascended on high is that he poured out his spirit, the Holy Spirit to the church to empower people. Jesus still to this day, when he sits at the right hand of the father, he is still communicating with the church, with you as saints, as followers of Jesus by and through the Holy Spirit. Do you notice this intertwining between Jesus and Holy Spirit? That's why Jesus says, you can do the same as I do. In fact, you can do greater when I go to my father. Not Jesus as a God, but Jesus as a man empowered by Holy Spirit. So you, I'm just gonna pick a random name, George, you empowered by Holy Spirit can do equal and greater things than Jesus did. Is that you, Marge, there's a Marge here, can do better and greater things than with Holy Spirit than what Jesus did. Those are Jesus's words. That's not David's words. So wherever you see Jesus in operation in the scripture, you always saw Holy Spirit in operation. And now whenever you see Holy Spirit truly in operation in our day and time, you will always see Jesus glorified. See this intertwining? If there's Holy Spirit stuff you think is Holy Spirit happening, but Jesus is not being glorified, it's not Holy Spirit. There's always this intertwining. So there's no greater authority on what and who can talk to us about Holy Spirit. We're gonna skip ahead so you guys can get some actual like conclusionary, is that a word, conclusionary? Con conclusionistic? But you, you all know what I mean though. Okay, we're gonna read in John, I wanna emphasize this one verse. In John chapter 14, verse 16, we're gonna get into a little bit of teaching here so you can understand what Holy Spirit does, how he's there with you, but also how you can hear and learn to walk with Holy Spirit. A lot of people get hung up on the how. How do I do it? What, what are my practical steps? Well, I'm not gonna give you practical steps. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the how. You can determine if it's practical or not. John 14, 16, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another Helper, I wanna focus on the word another. Whenever you're studying scripture, it is, um, if you're not in the word, just get in the word. Just start reading the word. But when you mature and you wanna start diving deeper into the word is that you start looking at the scripture through the context of what is this author who was inspired and led by Holy Spirit? What is he trying to convey to the then audience that is reading the letter? Because we are still an audience, but we're not the intended audience. As He wasn't writing here to Canadians in 2023, but there is incredible application that we can get from this in our life because it's still relevant to us. So the word another, I like to dive into the original. The New Testament was written in the Greek. I'm gonna go a little bit quick because I got five minutes flashing at me, just so everybody knows. Is the, I like to go into the Greek because when you translate out of Greek or in the Old Testament with Hebrew into English, English has got like more than a million words in our language. And you can have a lot of different words that could be synonyms or similar to what the original word was. And it doesn't change the meaning, but it might give different impressions. And, and then you throw into the matter of fact that we all interpret language differently, right? If I use the word comforter to you, someone's gonna think of, Maybe that just a mom giving me a warm hug and someone thinks about an awesome nap on a Sunday afternoon with a comforter, right? So we have to take that into consideration. We wanna get back to what the, what the writer is saying. So he, Jesus is saying in this, this is being written down through eyewitness testimony and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. The word another is that translated into English, there's two Greek words that can be translated into this. You have the word heteros, which is one of them. The word heteros means of a different kind. So not the same. And the word heteros, where we get the word heterosexual, male, female. 
of a different kind. We are different. How many people know that? I'm surprised more husbands didn't raise their hand on that. We are different, but it's not the word heteros being used here. The word that's being used is alos, A-L-L-O-S, which means exactly, it means exactly of the same kind. So opposite of heteros. The reason why this is important, because when Jesus is telling his disciples, he is going, and I will pray to the Father and he will give you alos, comforter. What they would take that as, don't worry, I'm not leaving you something different than me. I'm leaving you something that is the exact same spirit, the exact same type, the exact same power, the exact same authority that I have, you have seen with me over the last three and a half years. So it is not different. For me, this was such a breakthrough in my understanding when I was studying this, because it's hard to believe that Jesus said, I can do greater things. If I'm thinking on my own strength, Let's be honest, that's a hard thing for me to grasp. Really? I can lay my hand on someone and raise them from the dead. That's a big thought, don't you guys think? On my own strength, that's a huge thought. But when Jesus goes and he's giving them confirmation saying, don't worry, I might be leaving. He raised people from the dead, but the spirit that is coming is the exact same as me. Remember the case I was making earlier about how intertwined Jesus and the Holy Spirit were? Well, they're still intertwined. So when Jesus said that, he's not saying that to make you feel good because he's got to go away. You know when you say bye to your kids because you got to go for a work trip and you're saying whatever you can to make them stop crying and you'll be back soon? Jesus wasn't doing that. He was saying absolute truth that you can do what I've done because the Spirit is of the exact same kind as me, which is just an amazing thing to know is that you, George, I'll keep picking you on George. Because the spirit of God, who is the exact same nature, power, and authority as Jesus, he is in you. You can do the exact same and greater than what Jesus did, which is interesting. Then we look to the next word, the word, I read it as, comfort, as helper, but really the more accurate translation is comforter. This word comforter, I don't know what it means to you guys. To me, I always thought it was a weak word. What does comforter mean? Like, I always think of someone who's very, sure, comfort can be great. If you're sad and lonely or people are going through trial times, you have people who bring comfort, it's beautiful. But for me, it's not this word full of authority, full of power, full of ability. It, it didn't really mean that to me. But Jesus emphasized the word comforter throughout this next couple of chapters. In fact, he refers to the Holy Spirit four times over the next chapter and a half. And the word comforter, if you break it down into the Greek, it's parakleos, is what the word is. This is in the Greek. So I wanna break this down for you. You have two words that make parakleos. Para, which means to come alongside. It means helper. A great way to actually say it is partner. Holy Spirit is there as a partner to you. So remember I said earlier, Holy Spirit isn't there just to make you do things. He actually relies on you doing things and he partners with you in what you're doing. You know, I love how movies always make it like when people get like an evil spirit inside of them and they become zombified and they lose control of what they do. Holy Spirit doesn't operate where he comes inside of you and just dictates what you do. He comes alongside you to partner with you. So I pray that you are moving and you are going, that Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you because it's hard to lead and guide someone who is standing still. Partner, 
If you have a business, a 50-50 partnership, and one guy is there coming alongside, let's say a guy starts a business and he brings on a partner who's an expert in the area and they come and agree on a partnership, but the one guy who started the business isn't doing anything. Well, the guy with the expertise has got nothing to work with to help them progress forward. So para means partner. Then you look at the word kleos, which is interesting. It means to call or to beckon. So there's this aspect of Holy Spirit that has this nature to call you, to beckon you, to, to lead you, to say this way, Osti over here, <laughs> don't go that way. It's this communication process that he is there. So when you put these together, Paracleus, Paracleus, it means he is a partner that will call and lead and prompt you in how you should live and go. Jesus says he'll lead you into all truth. He'll bring back to remembrance all of these things. So if you're caught in a bind and your own brain fails you and what to say in a tough situation, Holy Spirit's there to well up and bring back the word, bring back truth to help you in that situation. This is life with Holy Spirit. Maybe you feel defeated. You got no more strength to go on. Well, Holy Spirit's supernatural strength. Jesus felt this in the garden. He did not want to go on to go be crucified. He said, God, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. Holy Spirit empowerment, and he gets back and he goes, but God, your will over my will. And he has the strength to go through. Holy Spirit's working. So when you look at this idea that Holy Spirit won't do it for you, is that I believe you as a Christian, when you're leading, if you claim to know Jesus and follow him, Holy Spirit is there to partner with you, to lead. If you're in school, if you're in grade eight, grade nine, you can have Holy Spirit help you with your testing, with your friends. Maybe you got bullies at school and, and, and they always, Holy Spirit will lead you in how to navigate those situations. He will help you say the right things. He'll give you strength. Maybe you're going to university and you've got professors who are constantly ripping down your beliefs and your ideologies because ideologies, because you believe in Christianity. Well, guess what? Holy Spirit is gonna be able to well up inside you the word, not just to fight against that, but actually to make and take ground in that university class. So people in the audience will be able to see what's truth and what's not truth. This is Holy Spirit as a partner with you. But let's get to the, the how. You guys good with that? I wanna turn to 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7 as we begin to wrap up. How many people have known this verse? Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I've always looked at this verse as like a motivational, like you can write a book of this. I don't have a spirit of fear. I'm an overcomer. I can do, I can do these things because look what I got. I, I, I want power. I want love. I want a sound mind. But what is actually being written here? There's two things. We'll get to verse six in just a moment. But I want to emphasize verse seven. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. This is reference to Holy Spirit. With Holy Spirit, when he is leading you and guiding you, it is not through fear. It is not through anxiety and stress. It's not through these things. I believe that when Holy Spirit and you are being led by Holy Spirit is that you will see the power of God operating in your life, is that you will operate in love. 
Remember, truth and love, they work hand in hand. They have to work together to be effective. And also a sound mind. I kind of picture Holy Spirit leading you like red light, green light. How many people have played that game? How many people are still playing that game? <laughs> red light, green light. It's that idea of when you're moving, remember the key is moving. I'll back up one second. I believe that the constant state of the believer, the constant state of you as a Christian should be a state of peace. That should be your standard. That should be your constant. We have too much of our world pushing anxiety and diagnosing different disorders and, and depression. I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to dive into what you might think is real and not real. I think there's a lot of, whenever you focus on something, it becomes all consuming. Let's just say that. I'll, I'll leave that for there for now. But I believe that your identity, that your spirit, that who you are, when you're in conjunction, you believe in Jesus and you operate with Holy Spirit, your state should be a state of peace. Remember how Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Now remember the word alos, Jesus said of the exact same kind, Holy Spirit is there to lead and guide in peace. My own personal experiences, whenever I've had to make big decisions in my life, navigating life, is that I always find is that if I am moving in the direction and I feel good about it, the world calls it a gut feeling, but if I feel at peace about it, I'm gonna keep moving because I trust Holy Spirit is going to stop me if I take a wrong turn. And by stop me, I mean, I'm gonna get all of a sudden this, oh, don't go that way. Or I don't feel right about that direction. Or I don't feel right about that person. I don't feel right about that babysitter who wants to babysit my kids. Even though this job opportunity looks amazing right now, I don't feel right about it. And I trust Holy Spirit got something better for me just down the road. Red light, green light. But back, like we said, you gotta be moving. You gotta be going. And I trust Holy Spirit leads through peace. If there's a sense of peace. If you're leading and you think you're following God, but you've got anxiety and stress and you're double-minded, notice how it says a sound mind, but you're double-minded, you're second guessing and all that, that's not peace. And I would argue that might be a really strong telling point of am I leaning on Holy Spirit or am I just leaning on my own strength in this moment? One thing we will, so we, and I think there's this trio of rivers. It talks about power and the love and a sound mind. I think those three things are evident in our life when you're walking with Holy Spirit. The power of Holy Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, whether it's a gift of healing, of knowledge, of tongues, of, of wisdom, of, of discerning spirits, of all, whatever it might be, I believe that those things are evident in your life when you're walking with Holy Spirit. I believe you're walking in a state of love when you're walking with Holy Spirit. What is love? Love is patient, love is kind. Love, and, love does not fly off the handle. Hey, get this, love doesn't keep records of wrong. <laughs> All of these things are empowered through Holy Spirit. And I believe you'll have a sound mind, not a double mind. You feel rest assured that because I'm going this direction, yeah, by the world's standards, it might seem like a weird decision, but Holy Spirit doesn't operate according to the world. We're gonna wrap up right away with this final one is that I believe that when you look at this idea of, of Holy Spirit being your, your helper, your comforter, and I really think in a practical sense, the way to develop relationship with Holy Spirit, the way to get to know his voice and his leading, because you still might be saying, David, I just don't know if it's my gut or if it's Holy Spirit. There's the sensitivity that comes with knowing Holy Spirit's voice. One of the things that is a gift and it is yours that you can activate 
whenever you want to activate one of the gifts of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. I believe as Christians that if you are faithful to the discipline of speaking in tongues is that it's going to light up this relationship with Holy Spirit, with God and extension with Jesus. It's gonna light up that and every single other gift of the Spirit when you're faithful to speaking in tongues on a daily basis. Now, if there are people that don't speak in tongues or you, if you don't know, again, that's a, a teaching for another time, but really, if you wanna come ask me a question after, come ask me or any one of the pastors, but speaking in tongues is not evidence of salvation. Speaking in tongues is a gift that is to you and to every single believer. And it talks about earnestly desire the gifts. I would just press and say, God, I wanna speak in tongues and just try. You might feel stupid, sound stupid, whatever but just start this practice. And I believe that when you desire and you press in and we can pray for you and all that, if it makes you feel like it helps you, sure, that's great. But it's a gift that is yours. It doesn't take me as a pastor to give you that gift, just so you know. So you keep speaking, keep trying if you don't. But if you do speak in tongues, and let's say you did it once last month, that's not good enough. Speak every day in tongues. Get used to speaking in tongues. Practice getting the normality of speaking in tongues in front of your kids, in front of your spouse when you wake up in the morning. Because when you do this, you are now allowing Holy Spirit to pray through you, to use you as a vessel to communicate with God. And guess what? You learn Holy Spirit's voice. You will become sensitive to his teaching, his promptings, his, his beckoning, his callings. All of this will start to happen. I believe when you honor that gift and you speak in tongues is that you're gonna see your life become so sensitive to Holy Spirit that you're gonna get all of a sudden these red lights and these green lights all over the place like you've never seen them before. And all of a sudden you start navigating life differently, no longer on your own strength, like the man, like the other guy that was on this bungee cord trying to effortlessly see through. Now you're the guy that's about to be whipped by this bungee and ripped through life. And not because we wanna have an easy, awesome life. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is we humble ourselves and we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior so he can use us and lead us and guide us to help bring other people to God's glory. Holy Spirit is your key. Jesus said that. And let's not leave him on the sidelines anymore. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? is that you've heard me talk about Holy Spirit. And I said, it's a gift to people who believe and and acknowledge Jesus as their Lord. If you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you don't know where you're at with God. Maybe you feel like you left God a long time ago, or maybe you think God left you a long time ago. Well, number one, God never leaves us or forsakes us. God says in his word that when you draw near to him, he will always draw near to you. The Bible tells us to be in God's family, to have access to everything that he has, salvation, heaven, eternal life, but also empowerment here on this earth, right now in the here and now. In order to have all that and be a part of God's family, it's a simple thing. All you have to do is you believe in your heart. What that means is you wake up and you acknowledge and say, God, I can't do this on my own strength. I repent of my ways and God, I acknowledge you as my Lord and I need you for my guidance every day. It's acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. When you do that, when you decide, it's a decision to believe on Jesus and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are automatically saved. 
You don't have to clean up your bad habits. You don't have to become perfect. You don't have to have a good month and then come back. No, Jesus told us that no one's good, only God is good. So let's thank God for Jesus and what he did for us. If you wanna have that relationship with God, that's all you need to do. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And if you're online or if you're watching in a different site, wherever you might be, is that if you're thinking the same thing in a second, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. That's simply just acknowledging I want a relationship with God. And no one's looking around. It's just me. If you're in another site, there's a pastor on stage there. If you want to start that relationship with God, would you raise your hand in one, two, three? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. And thank you. If you're online, God knows exactly what you're thinking and believing. If you're in a different site, there's gonna be hands going up there and there's a pastor to see you there as well. If you didn't raise your hand, but you're still believing in your heart and you wanna make that decision, God knows exactly what you're deciding. Praise God. Would everyone here do me a favor? Would you repeat after me? We're gonna pray together with these people in the confession side of this. Repeat after me. I wanna lead you in a prayer that's gonna get you into relationship with God. Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for forgiving me of all of my sins and for rising again. Today I choose to follow you and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said amen and amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for all those people.